Today, we are speaking on wealth in glory. Um, shall we humbly open our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 13, verse 44 to 45. Amen. Amen. Matthew 13, 44 to 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless us for such a wonderful word. And one of the things that when we talk about wealth, um, to some of you who have just joined um, us, um, uh, our ministry is based on teaching the word. When we talk about wealth, um, to my people, well, I may be wrong, but um, to my people, the very moment wealth is mentioned, the only word that comes on our mind's eye is money. The very moment we mention wealth, the only word that comes on our mind's eye is money. So, um, I mean, most Africans that come to diaspora, our main energy, our main focus is money, 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 money. So, I mean, when you bring this topic wealth, then they go like, yeah, the pastors are going to preach about wealth. They're going to preach about prosperity. That is all they know. That is all they like. But this morning, I came to let you know that wealth is not money. And what do we mean by wealth? That is your level of one's level of information or one's level of knowledge acquisition determines his or her wealth. And this is how one um, uh, Investopedia defines wealth. Investopedia defines wealth as um, wealth measures the value of all the assets of wealth owned by a person, a community, a company, or a country. And wealth is determined by taking the total market, the total market value of all physical and intangible assets owned by subtracting all the debts. Then we can determine um, the wealth of someone. So when we talk about wealth, wealth is not only related to what I would call a, a currency or in cryptocurrency, they would say a token. So this morning, I want you to know about what wealth is to the black community, to, the, to my fellow Africans. What is wealth? That have we always spent our time chasing that which is I would say beating the air rather than chasing the real realities or the real facts of life or the real substances of life. So when I talk about one's level of information determines his wealth, let me give an example like um, someone like Bill Gates or somebody like Elon Musk, somebody like Jeff Bezos. When we take these people their wealth is based on their level of information or their level of knowledge. And let me say something here. Your wealth, which happens to be your knowledge, determines your worth. So during the 31st night, I said something that 
a company or an institution retires someone, like United Kingdom, we would say um, age of retirement is 67 years. I don't know if they have added to it or they, are in, they have um, taken it, they've taken from it. So a company or an institution retires someone because the knowledge of the knowledge acquisition for that moment has expired. So whenever a company forces someone to retire, it doesn't mean that the person doesn't have strength anymore. But what they are telling the person is that at that point in time, your level of knowledge, the, the, the perspective of your knowledge, the frequency of your knowledge has ended within that period of time. Because if I'm to talk about these things, why am I saying that? Because I'm telling you right now, I know um, in the medical field, in the field of academia, in many places, I have known people, lecturers who are 70 years and 80 years, or some midwives who are 70 years and they are still working. Or let's go to the world of politics across the globe. If age of retirement is truly 70 year, uh, 67 years, why is it that some countries we have presidents who are 71 and 72? So it means that there is no retirement. So a company forces you to retire based on number one, the fact that your acquisition of knowledge that will cause the company to move forward or that will cause the company to increase that time, that knowledge that you have acquired has expired. So either you, you, you re-strategize yourself or go for new skills. And also let me let you know this, that let me let you know something here that every company pays 10% of your knowledge. Yes, every company pays 10%. So if they are describing um, minimum wage of um, 8.20 pounds an hour, they are telling you that that is your level of knowledge. So why am I saying this this morning? I remember in the year 2005, I mean, that was one of the times of my turning points in life. To those of you who are in, um, who, who know the Educational Ladder of Africa, when I completed secondary school, and um, uh, in Ghana, if you complete secondary school, the fact is that if you don't pass your exams, um, it becomes a different story altogether. So when I completed, it was a turning point in my life. What am I going to do next? And those times I was just doing ministry. And um, I mean, my, 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 my biological brother, Yasika, would tell you, just doing ministry, shouting all over the place. So there was one time, there was one time uh, I was listening to BBC Africa. And when I was listening to BBC Africa, a woman came and they asked her a question that, what are your regrets in life? The woman happens to be a UN envoy. And she made a statement that I've never regretted in life. And they told her why. And she said that one of the things that I would have said would have been a regret or would have been the saddest part of my life, which it turned out to be something positive for me was I was sent as an envoy to a different country. And when I returned, all my properties were bent down. I think there was a um, land litigation in that area and um, everything that the lady had was bent as a result of that. And she said when she returned, one of the things that made her so happy or made her have the assurance that even though I have lost everything, I don't care. However, 
that which made me which made me acquire all these all these properties i still have it in my hand that which made me acquire all these things i still have it in my hand this morning i came to ask you one question what do you have in your hand there are certain times i say some joking things to my wife i mean and i tell her that you know something that maybe one day because it's in the bible maybe one day um United Kingdom will tell all people, all foreigners in this country, they should go back home. So when, you, when they make that statement, because it's in the Bible, it has happened before in the days of Ahasuerus, in the, in, the days, in the days of Herod, it happened. Jesus was even born in a manger because everybody was meant to go back home to, their, to where they come from. So yes, history, history sometimes repeats himself. So if they tell us to go back home, so I asked my wife, what valuable thing would you go to Af Africa with? Or what have you gotten in your hand that you will say to yourself that even if they send me back home, I still have this in my hand. This morning, I came to ask you this question. Have you thought about that as well? Don't say, oh, this is a law country. No, the law doesn't work. The law, the law works for some certain people. I mean, the law favors some people. Listen, listen to me. The law is never right. And the law has never been perfect. If you are talking about the right law, then I think right now, Prince Andrew would have been arrested. Let's face a fact. But when it comes to some certain people, the law doesn't work. So what value? So when I'm speaking about wealth in glory, I'm talking about your value that will cause you to be relevant in this world. Our value as a family. So when you are here, Always have the notion that time is ticking. Time is not on your side. Time is not on your side. Don't be like, ah, this is not my thing. Ah, no. Fight hard, push. Time is not on your side. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 45, we see here that Jesus Christ uses a parable to describe the kingdom. Now I'm going to the message. Jesus uses a parable to describe the kingdom. And many a time, why would Jesus use a parable? And before I go through to the, the, to the main text, let's look at what a parable is. And um, I want to take, I want to quote um, a Welsh theologian that is um, C.H. Thought, who happens to be in existence from 1884 to 1973. And this is how he defines a parable. So with him, he gives a parable in four dimensions. That is number one. He sees the Jesus' usage of parable as a comparison. And when we talk about comparison here, that is parable as simple word pictures suited to the oral culture of Jesus' original hearers. That is Jesus' parable compare one thing to the other. So the reason why Jesus tried to use parable was that he was building on people's cultures, what they easily understand. And by doing that, he used it imageries. And um, in, in a literary sense, when we talk about the use of imagery, that is the use of us or like, or the usage of simile and metaphor. And in the usage of simile, that is when we talk about the use of simile, um, using one object to determine something. So for example, if I say that the woman is strong like a lion, it doesn't mean that the woman is a lion, but I am just giving that image of a lion so that you would know the, the inherent power or the energetic per way that the woman is. 
So these are all imageries and also the use of metaphors. Jesus also uses metaphors so that his hearers would be able to understand the reality of what he's trying to say. So for example, one of the usage of the parables is that um, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It doesn't mean that the kingdom of God is or the kingdom of God um, happens to be a mustard seed. He's just giving a picture of how the kingdom of God is like. And also Jesus also talks about um, the use of a metaphor here. Jesus uses in Matthew 5 verse 13 and 14, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world. So all these things are examples of the usage of parables. And also in parables as well, Jesus also used parables to describe something new or unknown in terms of setting something familiar. So anytime Jesus wants to um, bring a point like the kingdom message, the kingdom life, Jesus will use a parable so that whenever he uses a parable, he brings his topic or what he wants to introduce to them. So this morning, when I was coming to minister to you, I introduced you in wealth. And most of you uh, might think that maybe that might be the reason why I am here. And many a time, the reason why we do that is just to catch the experience or to catch the, 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 readers, the readers or the hearers' interest. So we are going to see here that Jesus uses um, the kingdom life um, as an analogy and also in comparison. That is, Jesus' parables appeal to an audience familiar with the Galilean um, landscape, fishing and, farm, fishing and farming were the main occupations of the people of Galilee, uh, that is during Jesus' time. So if you look at all the, the, the synoptic writings, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you can see from it that Jesus always used the words like seeds, tares, sheep, and the farm, the, the, the rich land owner. So all these pictures were used so that um, people will understand, or his hearers at that time, that is in Galilee, people would understand him at that time. So if right now, as we are here, if Jesus was to be in our day, Jesus wouldn't use um, the, 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 the parable of um, the farmer or the parable of the terse or the parable of the master seed. Uh, one of the things that, I mean, I felt very sad one time. Uh, I went to Ghana, when I went to Ghana, I think the first time, um, seeing that a, a pastor was selling the mustard, um, the, the, the mustard seed. I was very shocked. That is a miracle. Jesus said it. So that is the mustard seed. You need it for your life to be blessed. So Jesus used all these things so that his readers would be able to get what it means. Number three is that Jesus uses of miracle, um, the parables also had what we called an unexpected twist. So anytime Jesus uses a parable, the reason is that he wants to catch their interest. Then as soon as he catches their interest, he twists what he wants to prove to them, or he twists the message. And in twisting the message, um, we can also see that one of the reasons is that it surprises the readers or it surprises the hearers. And Jesus used that as a means of striking a shocking element to his readers as well. So the very moment he switches, for example, the, the parable of um, the, the, the believers in the vineyard, one comes earlier, other comes in the afternoon, other comes, um, that is noonday in the afternoon, other comes in the evening. Then when it comes to the master paying them, the Bible says that he paid all of them equally. They were thinking that Jesus would um, pay them um, according to um, time rate. That is, I worked one hour, 
the way um, we are, most people are paid in the United Kingdom. So that was what they were expecting, but the master paid all of them equally. So when it happens like that, it causes what we call a surprise to the hearers. And that is one of the reasons why many a time when Jesus spoke in parables, his disciples will go and come to him and say, what are you trying to say? Because to them, according to their cultural experiences, according to their tradition, whenever you are telling a story, they can assume what would be the expected end. They can assume, especially many a time watching a Nigerian film, I know how it will end, or watching a Ghanaian film, I know how it will end. But if it goes to a situation where when the, the, we are reaching the climax or when we are increasing the suspense and we are able to beat the understandings of people, in, that was one of the two, it gives people, um, it leads people in this array, it leads people into deeper thinking. So that was one of the things that Jesus was always doing. That is the, the fourth point being that Jesus used the parable to engage his hearers and also prompt them with a, a greater reaction. So anytime Jesus uses a parable, it is something that it prompts them with reaction. Either they go out with anger. So many a time they were never understanding Jesus Christ because he was trying to speak to them about the kingdom life in a different dimension. And that is a parable intends to draw litness to envision a new way of being and, and doing that would include God's prolific generosity and an appropriate professional human response to God's love. So the reason why Jesus always used parables was that he was always building the human definition that the way we perceive God, the way we see God, that is not how he is. And many a time we have believers that define God according to the cultures, according to our assumptions, according to our belief systems, according to our acts. So the way maybe I may be angry with my son, there are a lot of people think that God also gets angry with us. So the, the, the parable of the prodigal son gives that example. So according to the law, a first son gets a double portion of his father's wealth. As soon as you go back, you go and you, you, you spoil or you waste your wealth. When you come back, you return as a slave. But this time around, the, new, the prodigal son returns to Jesus Christ and this is what uh, returns to his father. And this is what his father does. His father uh, throws um, a Boger party for him, makes him so happy, then people get offended. Even his, his other son gets offended. So that is the nature of Jesus or the nature of um, how Jesus was presenting God to humanity. That the way we see God towards humanity, that is not how he sees us. And this will inform you this morning about how generous God is. I may, be, I'm, I'm, I may not meet some certain things in life. I be a preacher, but I may not meet some certain things in life. Jesus Christ presented a God that even in all our weaknesses, he is with us. In all your failures, he is with us. In all our means of life, he is with us. So that was one of the reasons why Jesus used a parable. And this is one of the things I want you to know about parable. A parable is not a proverb. That is um, the Greek word for parable, which means um, paraboli or parable, um, which also um, the Hebrew word uses um, for parable means mashal. And when we talk about a parable and a mashal, a parable embraces a variety of literary forms, such as proverbs, riddles, 
towns, metaphors, and allegories. So when we talk about a, parab a parable, a parable is not just a proverb as some people deem it to be. A parable is an encapsulation of, of allegories, an encapsulation of metaphors, an encapsulation of proverbs that are put together. And one of the things we need to understand here is that Jesus Christ was not the first person to use a parable. Jesus was not the first person to use a parable. That is, let me quote from here, that um, Jesus' use of parable was not unique or something novel, but the practice of telling stories as a teaching method was well known in Judaism and even grew more popular, especially in the 200 year period just before Jesus came. So when he came, before he had come, people were using parables. And you can see that in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse one to four, when Nathan goes to um, prophet David, uh, prophet Nathan goes to King David, he also uses a parable. So Jesus Christ was not the first person to use a parable. That is what we call, he borrowed from the culture that he came to meet, that is Judaism. However, Jesus' use of parable what is what we call an extended parable. Jesus' use of parable is what we call an extended parable. That is, he was always able to, as I stated earlier, beat the, um, the, the, the suspicion of people, beat the expectations of people. So Jesus borrowed cultures as well. Jesus borrowed people's ideologies. So as a, as a family member, don't never say, as for me, I don't learn anything like um, whatever I know is final. Nobody teaches me. No, you need to have a humble spirit and also learn. Because Jesus Christ was also a learner. He learned from others and he borrowed them into um, his ministry on earth. So this also tells you that you need to borrow. As, as you are in the United Kingdom or you are in Europe, anywhere, borrow some of the good cultures, borrow some of the good things, borrow some of it and add it to your system, add it to your life. It builds in you value. It gives you value as we are here on this earth. So this morning, um, I just want to look at some of the things that we're looking at. So let me I'll go to um, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46. Jesus said that now the kingdom of God, he said that now the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who then when he had found one pearl of a great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. That is the first one. Verse 45 says that, uh, verse 44 says that, and again, the kingdom of God is also like a treasure that is, healed in a, that is hid in a field. And when a man found and hid for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What is Jesus telling us this morning? I've spoken earlier about the kingdom life. And when I talk about the subject of the kingdom, because that is all that Jesus was, was teaching us. That is all that Jesus was proclaiming when he came on earth. So when we talk about the kingdom, the kingdom is not somewhere that we would die and go. The kingdom is not somewhere that we would die and go. Jesus was an opener of a new kind of life on earth. So there are a lot of Christians, uh, maybe a, last Thursday I said it that if a Christian gets sick, a Christian shouldn't say that I'm sick because I'm, I'm, because I'm a Christian, I'm suffering. No. If a Christian has got cancer, don't say you're suffering because, because you're a Christian. No, God's mandate for you is to be healed. When we talk about suffering, suffering here means that you being a preacher of the gospel, that, for example, maybe you go to Asia and you are being tortured 
because of the gospel. That is what we call suffering. So one of the things I want us to know this morning here is that Jesus talks about how the kingdom life is like. What kind of life are we meant to have? What kind of life are we meant to live in this morning? He's saying that the kingdom of God is like number one, a wealth that is hid. So as you can see from the two, um, the few parables that we are speaking right now, the whole thing about the kingdom is that something is hidden. Then when the thing gets hidden, the next thing we do is that we go in search of that thing that is hidden. So when we talk about the kingdom, which I have explained it before, kingdom comes with two different ways, a king and a domain. So we are the kings on earth. And Jesus said that wherever you find yourself, you must be in a position of dominating. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. You must be in a place of dominating, a king and his domain. So the moment Jesus speaks about the kingdom, he is not talking about heaven. He's not talking about having a good life. Jesus is speaking about having a dominion life on earth. And he says, how can I have a kingdom life? How can you have a kingdom life? He said that you having a kingdom life is like seeing a treasure. So number one, the first thing you, you know is that you see a treasure. And how does someone see a treasure? No one can sit down and see a treasure. You go in search of it. How can one know that there is a treasure? The person goes in search of it. So the day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior was not enough. Was not enough. What next? You need to go in search. What does the Bible say about me? What does the scripture say about me? The new kind of life. The Christian. What does the scripture say about the Christian? My, my newness in Christ Jesus. What does the scripture say about me? The ability to take dominion in the world. What does the scripture say about me? The Bible says that he that is in Christ is a new creation. And ye all things are passed away. Ye all things are become new. And he says that two little children, do not be afraid. For you have overcome the world. For greater is you, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when I become a Christian, this is my new nature. Because I am living that kingdom life on earth. It's one of the things that we need to understand. He says, and I, um, I want to just build on something here. He says, and a treasure that is hid in a field. And when he found it for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys the field. So that, this is one of the things I want us to know. That is, the parables both picture, these parables that we have just read, they picture two things here. Our salvation, our soteria, your salvation in God. That is, our salvation is like something that is hidden from all people. Your salvation is hidden from all people. There are a lot of people who are wallowing in pain. There are a lot of people who are wallowing in dejection. There are a lot of people, as I'm talking to you now, maybe they are, they, 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 they are fighting addiction or when they find themselves in a problem, they can't find their way out. When they find themselves in a challenge, they can't find their way out. That is what is hidden from them. But glory be to Jesus that you have gotten access to this grace, even as we are ministering this morning, that you have gotten access to this glory as we are ministering this morning, you have gotten access to this nature of God. So the, the salvation of Soteria is something that is hidden. But thank God that by the grace of God, it has been revealed to us. That is the ability 
to comprehend spiritual truth is a gracious gift of God. And he sovereignly bestows on the elect. And when we talk about the elect, the elect are those people who are born of God, who are born of God as you are here. The grace of God has been revealed unto you. Grace of God has not all has been, not all has gotten that grace, but you have gotten it. Not all have gotten access to this precious life in Christ Jesus, but you have gotten it. Salvation is so valuable that people who have it, it, that is revealed to them, are willing to give up all that they have to possess it. So Jesus saying that, do you want to have the kingdom life? Yes. Do you want to have the kingdom life? He says, if you want to have the kingdom life, then leave everything, leave all entanglements and possess your salvation. Everything. Don't give your mind to the curse of the world. Don't give your mind to the fears of the world. Leave everything. He's saying that for the joy, they sell everything. I'm speaking to you today. What are some of the shackles that has entangled your life? What are some of the traditions of the world that you have entangled your life with? And talk about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There are a lot of people who think maybe stop doing this or stop doing that. That is not the meaning of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is not what Apostle Paul meant in the book of Romans chapter 12. What he meant is that identity in Christ should be supreme. There is nothing that must compromise. There is nothing that you must use to compromise your identity in Christ. Christ is in me. I am an overcomer. Christ is in me. Sickness cannot come over my life. Christ is in me. I rule wherever I find myself. Christ is in me. I am a child of excellence. Christ is in me. I don't speak failure. Christ is in me. So when you do that, what are you doing? You are working out your salvation. You are working out. That is the meaning of our salvation in God. Saying that for the joy, they sell everything. Pain, the reality, the manifestation of this life. So let me repeat this again, that the kingdom life is not about heaven, like going to a place you don't even know. He's talking about living that life on earth. Certain times, maybe we can say that, oh, my life is full of fear, a promise and fail. You can declare to yourself that in Christ Jesus, I have inherited all the promises of God. In Christ Jesus, I have inherited all the props. So this is what we call conviction. So brethren, I came to tell you this morning that Christianity is not a, a life of emotions and feelings and what you think. Christianity is not by assumptions. Accepting the grace of God means that your world may be very opposite. There will be contraries. There will be, there will be distractions. There, 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 there will be challenges, yes. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that, you hold, you keep hold of your confessions that I am new in Christ. All things are passed away. I am new in Christ. All things are passed away. So if anyone tells you anything, you can declare to yourself, even if a prophet tells you you are going to die, you declare to the person that Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life. And if anybody believes in him, even if he is dead, he will come back to life. So I don't believe in death. A lot of Christians, we have yielded our ears to fear. We have yielded our ears to failure. We have yielded our ears to negativities. We have yielded our ears to the, 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 the precepts of this world. Come of God, if you want to have the kingdom life on earth, if you can type it now, type after me, have the kingdom life. I want you to type. Talking about the kingdom here, 
As you see the kingdom, it determines the value you give to it. You see your kingdom this morning, it determines your value. You see the kingdom, it determines your value. With me, I see my kingdom as a greater person. I see my, I see my kingdom as ruling the world. I'm not doing church in a location. I'm doing church that is taking all over the world. That is how I see my kingdom. What do you see? Some of you may see kingdom as billionaires. Some of you may see your kingdom as a life of excellence. Some of you may see your kingdom. I don't know what kingdom you are seeing this morning. I don't know the kind of kingdom. So when you get hold of that kingdom life, what brought you to United Kingdom? It is not because of money. No, you didn't come here because of money. You came here to take dominion. That is your kingdom life. So when you get hold of this kingdom life, you will not give yourself to some little, little things that are not important. You will not give yourself to some fables and traditions and, and informations about witchcraft and informations about demons and all those kind of things. You will not give yourself to them. You will separate yourself from all these things. Your wealth in glory is your information that you have in God through Christ Jesus, then that information causes you to manifest on earth. This is your wealth this morning. Jesus did not come to give us gold. He came to give us more than gold. That is our wealth. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. They that believe in me, he made that statement. He said, to them that believed in him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. So as you are here this morning, as I'm bringing my word to a close, God wants you to know about your wealth, wealth in glory, about your wealth in this earth. You will not wallow in pain. This morning, I came to tell you tonight, my, to this afternoon must be your turning point. Maybe you have been speaking failure all your life. Let me tell you this. Heaven and earth will not come. If you are waiting for an angel, that is what Apostle Paul says. He says, if, if you are waiting for an angel to come and tell you, it will not happen. At this point in time, Jesus has sent me, God has sent me by his spirit to unveil this word to you, to unveil this message to you about the kingdom life that you can have on earth. Kingdom life becomes your wealth. And it only happens through information. And this is the information I have given to you today. So go out there and dominate. Go out there and be excellent. And let me tell you something here. The information you have may not mean that everybody has gotten that information. Always understand that. The information you have now may not mean that everybody has gotten that information. So you need to determine, prioritize your life. Sometimes we hear news on the radio, we accept it. We hear news on, on, on BBC, we accept it. Jesus wants you to know this morning that you are very different from them. You are very unique from them. That you are not part of them. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 to 6 says, and even information is in terms of wealth. So let me chip in one information here. I think this one is to help the cryptocurrency family. He said that give, a, give, give seven to seven, give seven to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. So Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 2 is talking about having seven multiple streams of income or having eight multiple streams of income seven to seven and giving seven to eight for you do not know when an evil will come on earth came to minister to you this morning that think into multiple streams of income when we talk about multiple streams of income the christian has gotten what we called a wealth his information 
So you will build kingdoms, not by your power. You will declare to yourself, I want to give you this authority right now. Declare for me seven multiple streams of income, eight multiple streams of income. Declare it right now. Say that verse, that clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves. If the clouds are full of rain, what it means is that the more you invest, one day you will blow. The more you invest, one day you will blow. The more I am investing in all souls gathering. So as a pastor, my investment is not money. You are my investment. So that is why as I'm preaching to you right now, what time did I start preaching? I, I, I woke up around 3 a.m. to preach this message to you, studying and praying, studying and praying. So I am investing in all of you. One day you will blow. And if you blow, I will blow. So people are my investment. My investment is no money. I, my, my focus is no money. My focus is people. So that is why anybody that calls me, my wife will tell you, I don't use five, 10 minutes talking about things that are not important. I don't have time for it. I don't have time because my time is very, 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 very valuable to me. Anybody that calls me within one hour, I ask myself, what information can I give to the person within the first five, 10 minutes? Multiple streams of income. So if you are listening to me this morning, think about eight multiple streams of income, seven multiple streams of income, nine multiple streams of income, 11 multiple streams of income. Don't commit yourself to just mere things. You are bigger than that because you are having the kingdom life and you are exhibiting your wealth in glory. Not money, but your information. This morning I have given you an information and this information is your wealth. And you are demonstrating that wealth in glory. The Lord bless you this morning. He said that when the, the, the clouds are full, it will empty themselves. In an esoteric sense, that is in the Christian sense, what it means is that the more you proclaim, the more you proclaim, the more you proclaim, one day it will manifest. I am a billionaire. When you wake up in the morning, you declare to yourself, I am a billionaire. Even if you are sick, I am not a sickler. And now I, I came to declare to you, maybe you are listening to me, you are fighting addiction. Listen to me, listen to me, listen. If you are fighting addiction, even if you like, let me say you are smoking weed or you are smoking uh, cocaine or whatever, you just declare to yourself, you hold the cocaine or whatever, you, as you are holding it, declare, I'm not a drug addict. Even you are smoking, declare, I am not a drug addict. Declare that to yourself or any form of addiction you are fighting. Even if you find yourself in it, don't force yourself to take yourself away from it. I don't need holy people around me, but declare, I am not that. So if they say Africa is a third world country, I'm not in the third world country, I'm not. I'm not a third world person. It's a nature in God. That is our destiny in Christ. And this is my investment in you. Your information determines your wealth and your wealth determines your glory. The Lord bless you this morning. I don't know if right now, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right now, or any way that you want to declare, keep declaring. Yes, I can see a lot of declarations. Keep declaring right now. You can type your declaration. You can type your declaration. Keep declaring, keep declaring, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Speak to yourself. Don't wait for anyone to define for you. Don't live in, don't live a life of dejection, a life of pain, a life is like every day my home must be a harbor of problems. No, not in my house. My house is a house of peace. Jesus said, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. So that the most problem with most Christians is that 
They are waiting for some certain angel to come and push them or shake them or do some certain thing to them or some professor. You can see Christian always, they want to hear something. No, when you get the information, sell everything you have. That is what we call you are working your salvation. I am working my billionaire life with fear and trembling. That is what it means. So I'm not a failure. I'm not a loser. In the name of Jesus, I am not sick all the days of my life. Then if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. So the prophetic declarations will determine your speaking of tongues. The Lord bless you this morning.